Father, I feel a difference today. I know, Lord, if, if I'm just, it's just me and you. My mind's divided. And, and I'm struggling right now for these words. Holy Spirit, I know, I know your heart. I know what you want to say. And I just pray today that you would articulate. God, you know how I'm just messed stuff up. And I just pray today that you would do something so far beyond what Scott Brandon could ever do. Do something truly eternal in this moment. And I pray, God, you would settle my mind, Father, and open our hearts. Allow the word to do what the word always does. It is so faithful. It is so good. It is so rich. I pray you challenge us. You convict us and you comfort us by your word. Oh, I'm so thankful for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I remember when I was 31 years old. I was sitting at my desk and I was working, working on some software thing, and, and I felt this, I felt this hot wire go down the back left side of my leg. Have you, has anybody ever heard that before? It's 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 called sciatica. It hurts. Yeah, fellow sufferers, uh, raise your hand because I need to know what, you know, when I say pain, I need to know you know what I'm talking about because that's some real pain, real pain, pain that you can't even get angry about. Sometimes all you can do is just cry, you know, and just put ashes on your head and <laughs> it hurts. And I remember, in fact, I was laying on the floor with my knees on my chest and my, my boss, Dan, walked up. He's kind of a character. He walks up and he goes, what are you doing down there? You know, and I said, Dan, I'm hurting so bad. And so I had ended up having a bulging disc pressed on my nerve. And, and those were the longest six weeks of pain. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't stand more than a minute. Couldn't sit more than a minute. I, I, would, I would lean across um, a exercise ball, big exercise ball, and eat out of my chair for dinner because I just, I had to stay in traction 100%. It just killed me. I mean, I, every four hours I was popping high doses of oxys and, and muscle relaxers just to keep it, you know, keep the edge off. And, um, and the sad thing was is Julie was eight months pregnant, you know, and uh, she needed me and she was there for me like she always is. Um, and I just remember in that time, I never thought to myself one time, Man, I hurt. I'll probably get back to that later on. <laughs> Everything in my body was saying one word. Now, now, fix it now, now. I was hurting. I was in agony. And in that time, I remember one of the, uh, one of the most humbling moments for me was that we had a group of guys. Me and Julie did, uh, we called them cell groups. They were small groups for about eight years every Monday night. And, uh, and some of the guys that had come through our, our, our uh, cell, small groups um, showed up, and man, they went to mowing my yard and cutting my hedges, and, and one of them owned a tree service was limiting my trees, just humbled me, you know, because they knew I couldn't do that stuff, and I was, I was crippled, basically. Um, and so I, this, that was just looking back, thinking how the body serves, you know, that was a great time. But I know this is that eventually I figured out how to get to the doctor. We figured out what the problem was. We figured out how to fix it, and then I actually got my surgery and walked away, and I've 
I've only had a few relapses, nothing near that severe. I've really tried to pay attention to that. But what I realized through all of that time was simply this, that the rest of my body was figuring out minute by minute how to compensate. Because it knew there were other parts of the body that were in pain. There was never a question of the rest of my body to say, should we serve the other part of the body? Should we help him out? No, no, no. You know why? Because all of my body was in submission to my head and my head was calling the shots. I felt the pain, and I was telling the rest of my body, here's what we're going to do. You can't reach there. Back pain is a, an unusual pain because everything you do is tied to your back. So every single, everything you do, it, it's like your, your back is, is, uh, is pulling the strings. And so I had to figure out how to live life outside of pain because I couldn't just, you know, take drugs all day, although I did take drugs all day. And so what I realized was simply this, is that during that season of my life, here's what I did. I, I made sure the other aspects of my body served the other aspects of my body so my body could get whole again. Now, here's what I do know. I do know this, that there were certain parts of my body that were connected to me, but they weren't contributing to my, to my body. And, and, and those things didn't care, and neither were they going to concern themselves with helping me. None of my moles, can I just, can I just get TMI here just for a second? None of my moles, none of my warts, none of my skin tags, none of my things, none of that stuff was helping me out, right? Because those things are just connected, but they ain't helping. I know you guys are blemish-free, y'all perfect out there, perfect little angelic bodies. I know how y'all are. And so all those things are okay just being connected. Oh, you hurting. You, you, you must be, you, it must be bad for you. And they had nothing else to do and, and nothing else to contribute. And what I realized is that, in fact, I had a, a little spot where I had skin cancer on my arm because I was, used to fish way too much. And I had a spot where it kind of grew. And uh, all it was was connected, but it wasn't contributing. But it was going to be a problem later on down the road. And so what they did was cut that off. Ain't that funny? Things that are connected but don't contribute eventually get cut. Close my Bible, go on home today. But when, but when we are connected and when we contribute, we feel the pain. We understand. The, the body doesn't wonder whether or not I should run over to the other side of that shoulder and figure out how to help out. Because when, you're, when you have one head, you're a part of one body. And today, I'm just talking about serving, and, and which is so funny because it's, it, to me, uh, serving, I, I get so emotional about it because it means so much to me. It means so much to me. Maybe because I've been shown a great way to serve, and, and I, I've been able to serve in different places and different opportunities at different levels. I've done the lowest. I've tried to do the, the greatest. And, and God has always shown me how great serving is no matter what you do. But it seems like serving is the one thing you never want to give a motivational speech for, right? Which is good because I'm not talking to you today. Jesus is. He has some things for you and I. 
not just by his actions, but by his words, to instruct his body. And he is the head, so we ought to listen. Let me just remind you that we are all called to serve. Paul knew this. He said to us in Romans 12, 4 through 8, for as in one body, we're in a series called One Body, we have many members. That's y'all, yuns. I don't know how old you are. And the members do not all have the same function. Thank God. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And Peter says concerning our gifts in 1 Peter 4.10, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. I love that. Serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Notice as he says, I, I'm, I'm trying not to sidetrack. I could be here for two or three hours. Y'all give me one though, right? Okay. Some of y'all did not crack that smile at all. He says that your, that your, your gift to serve is a grace from God. Wow. That's huge. That it is a grace from God. He gave that. You didn't deserve that. You didn't work for that. You didn't earn that, but he gave it to you. And so this morning, can we just talk about how wonderful that is? Father, I I pray, oh, Lord, that these scriptures, your words, your life would come alive. Father, if if we really say that you are our head, we should listen to you. And if you, if we really say that we want to be like Christ and follow you, then, Lord, give us the strength, Lord, to do what is not natural for us, to submit and to count others more significant than ourselves. Those are not easy things to do. Our flesh is constantly in the way. Help us, Lord, to be others-minded. Lord, work against our flesh, work against our selfishness that is so easily and readily available for us to endorse. I pray, God, you would do that in the depth of who we are. In Jesus' name. Amen. When, when I used to run a leadership school, we would travel around a lot, a lot of times, and we would raise money for missions. And one of those things we could do is we, could, we would go to some top events like the PGA um, and the, um, the NBA finals sometimes, the college finals sometimes. But one of them, one event we went to was always, it was the pinnacle of events, right? Not everybody could go, and only the select of the select could actually show up. And that was the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby was not for anybody and everybody just because you had money. It was invitational only. In fact, we, were, we had the opportunity to serve uh, in the VIP areas where uh, oftentimes girlfriends were not even allowed. So, so they would come, but, but some people could say, you know what, this is for these particular people only. And we, we were blessed because um, uh, we were blessed, in fact, because we would take care of the ice and the drinks, um, and they paid us 15 bucks an hour. For 12 hours a day, and we make about 300 bucks in tips every day. That was a, that's a pretty good job right there uh, because those guys were just throwing it out. But they, we got those opportunities that most people wanted because my team and I, we had an incredible, crazy uh, knack to walk into a room and find the jobs everybody hated, and we would go full force like it was the best job in the world. In fact, we used to compete. We used to, like, there was a physical scuffle one time with my two boys 
because there was a, a, there was a, a, a toilet bowl that had been cracked, right? And one of them knew how to do it. The other one didn't know how to do it. But they were both in there trying to figure it out. They were just, and, and of course, maintenance was coming. Like we, but they're in there thinking, this is an opportunity for us to serve. And, and I think somewhere along the way, it kind of got twisted because it became real prideful because I'm doing the lowliest things, and, and we lost the real intent. But, I, but I, what I remember throughout the year was that my team, they just loved to serve. And they would, we would go into, we would go into uh, places. Uh, one time we were helping um, clean a, a school up, and everybody in there is from the church is cleaning the tops of the, the desk. My kids are under the desk with putty knives scraping all the gum off, just trying to find something to do, you know? And uh, I had to kind of teach them a little bit about that. But, but, they, but the reason that they got such awesome opportunities is because they honestly look for the lowliest things. They really love to serve in the lowliest levels. There was times they had great responsibilities, and there was times they had low ones. And so for us, I want you to know today is that we need to know a couple things. And here's what I want you to know first off, in case I don't f- finish through my notes. Here's what you need to know about being a servant. You need to know there's two chief characteristics of a servant. And you also need to know there's two chief challenges. And they're not small challenges. There's two chief challenges of a servant. Then we'll finish it off with a commendation of a servant. Here's how I want us to respond. In front of you uh, later on at some point in time, uh, we're going to ask for the ushers to come back up. And in front of you, there's a green slip. We got fall on the farm coming up. It's a great way to serve. Uh, but let me tell you, I'm, I'm not preaching this message so you respond to sign up on Fall on the Farm. That, that's not really serving. That's just getting together and working together. That's two different things, right? It's fun to go to Fall on the Farm. It's fun to hang out. Yeah, that's all fun stuff, right? I'm asking you to sacrifice. That's this, what this message is about just today is to sacrifice. That's fun stuff, right? We get to hang out and play and have games and work with each other. Those, that's nice. Uh, and we need that. But I'm talking about something much more important than falling on the farm today. And so uh, if you ever get tired of listening to me today, just go ahead and grab one of those green slips and, and fill it out. We'll pick it up here in a little bit. But the last thing everyone wants to do is to respond, not just with our hands, but with our heart, to have the mind of Christ. So when we're looking at the characteristics of a servant, what does that look like? Jesus shows us in John chapter 13, verse 12 through 17, he says, when He had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you know them. Is that what it says? It does not say that. You can get that blessing from Revelation. Matter of fact, if you want to be blessed just by reading, you can go uh, to Melissa's class. She's teaching on Revelations on Thursday night, and it's just blessing just to read through. That's where you need to be. If you got questions about what's happening in Israel, go to, go to Melissa's class. But we're not talking about just knowing things. The Word says, blessed are you if you do them. Now, I want you to be clear about this. This is Jesus the Christ. He is saying 
Here is how you are blessed if you do the things I tell you to do. And that is what? It's to, it's to follow in his example. The first thing you need to understand that Jesus is teaching us is servanthood requires us to serve downwardly. Downwardly. A true servant is a servant who serves downwardly. Let me define that for you. A servant who serves in a capacity or to a people who by the world's standards states you are better than them. If you, if you serve in a capacity or you serve to a people who by the world states or world standards states, you're better than them. You don't need to be serving them. They should be serving you. You ought not do that. You're better than that. No, 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 no. Jesus says that's not how it is in my kingdom. It's everything is flipped upside down, right? And these are one of these principles here. I want you to understand the context that Jesus is serving in. It's not some small thing. Jesus with the weight of the crucifixion and the cross in front of him. He's looking at a time where he was separated from his father. He's never in eternity past ever been disconnected from his father. He's looking at sweat and blood in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, on the, I want to say altar, but it wasn't an altar. I'm just going to say rock. We'll call it a rock. He was sweating blood in the garden on a rock, knowing he was about to be betrayed, knowing he was going to face a horrible crucifixion uh, and a death, and still yet, in, in, in front of all of that stuff, he took off his robe, he put on his servant's apron, he poured water in a bowl, he began to wash the disciples' feet. Can I tell you, if scriptures would have said, Jesus asked John, the one whom Jesus loves, <laughs> to wash the feet, you know what would have happened? We would never have blinked about it because we're like, this is the Son of God. Of course he would ask someone to serve him, but in the face of all of the pressures and all of the stress and all of the anxiety, Jesus says, I'm still fit to serve. Not able, but I'm still fit to serve. There's nothing in my life that would render me unable to serve. I'm always going to serve. One of the most about this, this example is the simplicity of it. He just washed feet. Jesus could have split Red Seas if he wanted to, right? He could have called manna down from heaven. He could have done all those things that we saw miraculously in the Old Testament, but he did something that you and I could do. He did something that you don't need a Holy Ghost anointing to do. He did something that you don't need a technical uh, ability or aptitude to do. He did something that you could reproduce, something that you could replicate, something that people need. And oftentimes the enemy tries to tell us, oh, you're, 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 you, don't, you don't have the position you don't have the influence. You don't have the ability. You don't have the capacity. You don't have the, the flexibility. You don't have the availability. All of, all of these lies. Because the enemy knows that you're robbing yourself from a blessing when you don't do what he's asked you to do. And he has not asked you to do a hard thing. This is the, the fellowship of serving. You and I are in a biblical fellowship. We talked about that word a few weeks back, kononia. That means that you and I are partnering and sharing, and we are sharing the most important resource we have in the body of Christ, and that is each other. You have nothing greater to offer than yourself. 
And the gospel community is a great community because we offer the things that are the most treasureful. That is the very currency of heaven, using us. God has put within us an image. He's put within us a compassion and a heart. And when we share that back and forth, that's what makes the body so strong. Notice this, is that in his simplicity, Jesus asked us to focus downward in our servitude by doing this, by being alert to the little things that need to be done and then do them. Can I tell you, being a servant is not difficult. It's just finding the little things that need to be done and do them. Oftentimes, we're waiting for the opportunity. Oftentimes, we're waiting for the pastor to ask us. Oftentimes, we're waiting for the perfect scenario, the perfect situation. How many of y'all out there often start things because you're waiting for the perfect, the perfect moment? I'm going to get this out and put this here and put this here and put this here. And then when this happens and, and the eclipse happens, then, then we're going to do it. And guess what? I never do it. Do you ever do it? I never do it. I never, because the situation is not always perfect. Obedience says regardless of the context, regardless of the opportunity, I'm called to do with the master. He's your master. You're his servant. You understand? When he calls, we say, yes, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. Send me, Lord. If we don't, if we don't choose to serve, and we don't choose to serve downward, then we, we, we mess everything up. But let me tell you that being a servant isn't just someone who is willing to do the lowly. Let me go ahead and press a little further in on you today. But to treat the lowly things like they're great things. Second thing is simply this, that servanthood requires us to serve faithfully. Faithfully. It's important to be trustworthy. Uh, when, when I was younger and about 50 pounds lighter, I used to play basketball a lot with my brother-in-law. We went to uh, all the places you're not supposed to go in Little Rock, under the bridges and parks and stuff like that, playing with people you shouldn't be playing with because those people were dangerous, and it was fun to play against them but because we often trash talk a lot, and that was my favorite part of playing basketball was I get to trash talk you, and I was good at it. Good at it. Good at it. I, in fact, I, I always wanted to find the best guy on the court because I knew I could probably get in his head mentally. And I was good at it. And, and one of the things I was really good at was, was I had the ability to explode right. I could just sit there and just be talking to him, talking to him. Talk, I'm, I'm about to go. I'm about to go. And, and, and unless he was really disciplined and been taught well in his basics, I would just floor him every time. And so I love to do that because here's this little, you know, short white guy, and I'm blowing past these guys. And, uh, but the problem was I, I loved to rebound too, but I had, I was short and I had to run and get that long run and jump to get a rebound and I would go up and when I would come down, people would be in my place. They would be in the place that my feet needed to come down. And when I'd come down, I would step on their feet, which were there, they didn't even pay me rent for it, but they were there. And I rolled my ankle once and I rolled my ankle twice and I rolled my ankle. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When you play basketball and, and people are underneath your feet, when you come down and you roll that ankle, you know what happens, you know, next time you play, you know, and I, I'm, I'm like 25, 26 years old, and I got the old man brace on, you know, I, I mean, I'm wrapped up, you know, because my ankles are getting weak, getting weak. And here's what I know, is that every time I wanted to explode right, I felt that pinch in my ankle. I knew it. 
So I couldn't talk that trash no more because my ankle wasn't reliable no more. I knew sometimes my, my, my passes weren't dialed in and I hit guys in the head. And sometimes my J was a little off. But I knew I could always blow right until I kept messing with that ankle. And that ankle got weak and I couldn't rely on that ankle anymore. And it affected my whole game. Not because it couldn't perform, but because I couldn't count on it when it needed to be performing. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Proverbs 25, 19 says this, putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or crossing over right. You hear what I'm saying this morning? It's not just that you do the lowly things and you serve downward. But the real question is, is can you be counted upon to do those things? Everybody wants to be, to be dependent upon when you're doing something great. But can you be counted on to do something that is lowly? Oh, I'm so glad that Jesus was, being able, was able to be counted upon for doing something lowly. He was faithful. He was a good steward. Jesus says uh, uh, concerning our gift in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. And Paul says concerning those gifts in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, moreover, it is required of stewards, that's you and me, that they be found faithful. And Jesus paints this picture in, in, the, in the parable of the dishonest uh, manager in Luke 16, 10 through 12. This is a difficult parable for most people when they try to break it down because he's using uh, a, a personality or a character that's not becoming of a Christ-like individual, but he's ex explaining something very important to us. He says in verse 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, that is, things that are temporary and, and fading away. Who will entrust you to the true riches, eternal things? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's things that don't belong to you, who will give you that which is your own? And so Jesus is saying here that you must be dependable, that you must be faithful, that you must be trustworthy, even in the small things. Specifically, he's talking to the disciples and he's saying simply this, is that if you are unfaithful in something as simple as money, unrighteous wealth, things that Gentiles can have, things that people who don't even know who Christ or God is, the Messiah is, unbelievers, if they can have the same things that you can have and they're better at it than you are, you'll never know what it's like to truly care for the sheep. You'll never know what it's really like to truly care for the body. He's teaching the disciples here. Because he's saying this is something that's easily replaceable, something that doesn't matter. But people, sheep, they matter. And so what he's saying is, is that we have to understand what our priority is. If I could put it in our terms, he would say to us, you got to serve better than your work. You got to serve better than you work. You got to show up in service like you're paid. Because we all know how we act when we go to work, right? Hopefully, you have some integrity. I believe that you do. And when you show up, you give a hard day's work. The question that Jesus is asking is simply this, is that are you doing the same thing when it doesn't benefit you? Are, 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 you, are you serving in the same way? 
He says, you need to serve like the favor was them asking you, not like you answering them yes. That's how we're supposed to serve. We are to serve like God is watching and man is not. Because all that serving truly is has nothing to do with man. All of it is listening and saying yes to the head. Colossians 3, 23-24 says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Not for men. Oh, y'all, I know y'all are quiet this morning. That's okay. It's, it's a tough thing. If, if it's difficult for you to hear, you should try to preach that. But I do know this, guys. There's no such thing as a body when the body doesn't serve each other. You, 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 you don't have a body when the body doesn't serve each other. There's no such thing as unity without servanthood. Those are things that we would buy from corporate America because they make us feel good, but those are not true true Christ-like body things. If you want to be a part of the body, you must serve. Paul was absolutely led by the Holy Spirit to use the, the, the analogy and the metaphor of the body for us to understand our place and also our value, our necessity, because there is no body when nobody's serving. It is absolutely important for us to understand that. So let me recap and we'll go on to the challenges because it gets even better. I'm so glad this is Pastor's Appreciation Month. I'm just going to end it right here after it's all said and done. I'll be glad when that guy goes back to exhorting and encouraging us again. There's folks on YouTube for that. Y'all can get that. Here's the next thing. I'm going to just recap. We are to be as willing to serve in the lowliest and the insignificant capacities of our life as we are willing to serve in the most honorable and celebrated ones. That means we're supposed to serve downward. And we are to be as faithful to the things that benefit others as we are to the things that benefit us. The challenges of servanthood are twofold. They're great. They test us. They are simply this, inconsiderateness and ingratitude. Those are your challenges when you serve. That when you serve, you'll find people being inconsiderate to what you've done. You'll find people not having gratitude for what you've done. And let me just remind you, this is okay because this is what Jesus went through. In fact, you and I do these things sometimes as well because after all, look at what all Jesus did within his life and still yet we are not grateful because we do not pray like we ought to. We do not read God's word like we ought to. We do not love like we ought to. We do not forgive like we ought to. And in this sense, we are treating Jesus with um, uh, inconsiderateness and ingratitude. And Jesus illustrates this in Luke 17, 7 through 10 of the unworthy servants. He says in verse 7, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal and put on your apron and serve me while I eat. And then you can eat later. The servant says, well, I've been outside in the heat. It's 110 degrees outside. You in here sipping lemonade like it's all good. And you want me to go change my clothes and come back here and serve you? We would never entertain such an idea in America. No way. That's not fair. That's not equal. Well, welcome to the New Testament. 
And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say. Who's talking here? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. In the same way, when you obey me, Jesus says, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. There goes our specialness. I mean, I'm being candid, but I'm being honest too, right? Because we're, we're, we're like, Lord, I, I did a lot. Of you see who I had to work with, Jesus? Do you see? Do you see the stuff I get? They are consistently stupid. They're consistently. I know we have all bad days, but consistently, Jesus. Consistently. Consistently unappreciative of all the things I sacrifice. I ain't got to be here. I'm here on my own time, on my own dime, and they don't even care. And, and what I do actually accomplish for the kingdom, they treat with contempt like it don't even matter. I don't get no thank yous. I don't get no attaboys. And they ain't even using my stuff that I'm doing. Jesus says, welcome to the kingdom. <laughs> it hurts. We can laugh because you know it hurts. Because how many times have you went home resentful? Ask me one more time. See what I tell them. I'll never do that again. They're, they're, they're so incompetent. They don't, even, they don't even know who I am. They don't even value me. They don't know what I bring. Jesus says, aren't you a servant? You're just doing what you're supposed to do while you're angry. In fact, when I was reading about this, I saw a, a, a commenter, a theologian write. He says, the servant has worked all day and is obviously tired and hungry. Yet before he can rest and eat, he must prepare and serve the master's meal. A lack of consideration toward those serving is too often evident within the body of Christ. Many Christians are self-centered. I'm, I'm quoting him. This is not my writing here. Many Christians are self-centered. They are thoughtless and impatient. They make demands and create extra work for others. They don't clean up after themselves when they have a class party in the church social room. They fail to plan ahead, and they need something done right now. I'll continue. Mothers, even in Christian homes, are typical victims of the inconsiderateness of others. The athletic uniform dropped in the bedroom three days ago. Something needs to be washed immediately. I'm not hearing no amens out there. Dad is late for dinner and doesn't call. Toys, games, and various articles of clothing are scattered around the house for mom to pick up. Never mind how it should be. This is too often the way it is. Mom is a servant, and the rest of the family members are often inconsiderate. Amen. Have you ever... Jesus would say, things that ain't easy to hear. He says, aren't you a servant? Then your response should be fitting to your role. He says, Master, we're only doing what we're supposed to do. You ain't got to thank us. We're only doing what we're supposed to be doing. I've learned two things in life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretty much close so you can come back, worship team. I've learned two things in life when it comes to serving. First is the challenging serve, the challenge in serving the least of all isn't in the difficulty of the task. It's in the obscurity of it. Most times what we find is that serving is difficult because there is no praise for you. 
There is no response. There is no reward that we can see. Can I tell you, uh, uh, as your pastor, I was just telling Julie this the other day, I would rather spend all my time and all my energy and all my creativity celebrating you and not recruiting you. We, we had the volunteer celebration a few weeks ago, and if you came, I, I loved it. It was a great time. It was a wonderful time. And, uh, and I, I'm looking forward to always being better every year and adding some more things because to me, I understand it's not just, it's not just that I'm just a pastor and I really hope that you guys know that I love you and I care for you because I'd be doing it by myself if you weren't here. I, it's not that stuff, okay? That's, that's, that's superficial to me. To me. I'm telling you, I, I thank the Lord. The Lord has had me serve a long time in low places. And I value what you do. I value who you are. I know what it's like to be up at 2 o'clock in the morning when everybody else has went home. Day after day, night after night. And the Lord not allowing me to do anything less than excellence. One time we were moving out of our sanctuary in the church. And we're moving into the, the gym. Uh, so we have a 1,200 uh, seat capacity sanctuary, we had to move all of our AVR, audio, video, or lighting in six days and build the stage in six days and be ready Sunday morning. Actually, I had to be ready Friday night because they had a practice on Saturday. And I'm working my tail off and I found myself up there many, many nights just doing my work. And I remember one time I was, it was, a, it was almost two, it was pretty close to it. And uh, I was wrapping the cables up, and I was on the lift, 30 feet up in the air, and I came down to the last part, and I was like, I'm going to finish this up, and I'm done, and as I'm getting ready to, to wrap it all up, I run out of zip ties, and I realize my zip ties are down there, way over there. That takes me like 10 minutes to get off this dumb lift, because it takes forever to go down there, because the batteries were dead. And then get back up, come back up, and put one zip tie on. And so what I did was I made a, a nice little pigtail, and I tucked it under the, the, the wire guide, and I was going way down. And I'm telling you, as loud as it could be, I heard these words, as unto the Lord. And I said, oh, Jesus, it's almost 2 o'clock in the morning. I, nobody is going to know, nobody's going to know, Lord, if this three wires are not hanging like they should. And you know the answer, Jesus says, I know, I know. I'm wrapping that up. In that moment, oh, I'm, I'm putting a zip tie on. And I pull it. And when I do it, I cut it. I'm starting to go back down, and Jesus stops me. And he says, Scott, I've always seen you. I've always seen you. I know, I know. When, when, when you struggle in your prayer sometimes, and you struggle in your worship sometimes, I always know your heart, Scott. Because it's these moments that you long to serve me when nobody else is looking. Serving is not really about the body. It's about obeying the head. 
Amen? It's about obeying the head. Last thing is this, and I get out of your way. Is, is ingratitude. No, I'm, I'm done. How, how, do we, how do you have a heart like this? You don't. It's not the heart of a servant. It's the mind of Christ. This is what Paul says in Philippians 2. Having this mind in Christ. To count others, back in verse 3, to count others more significant than yourselves. That's how we serve. Because if we're thinking about ourselves, we will always do what benefits us. But when you have this mind that is yours in Christ Jesus, then you're always thinking about other people. I long so desperately for us to be a people that, that is entirely others-minded. That when we see someone coming in the door or we see an opportunity to, to love on them, to minister to them, that we are literally jumping at the opportunity to serve them. Because we know that if we, when we do that, we are stepping in line with the body which is submitted under the head. And under the head is where every blessing flows. Under the head is where all provision comes from. Under the head is all protection. But you got to be submitted under the head and you can't say I'm submitted under the head for all the things that you want but when he asks you to step out and to serve you say I'm not a part of that body you may never say those those words but what do your actions say find the last thing is simply this is that there's a commendation of servanthood Jesus said in Luke 12, 37, he goes, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. Pay attention to this. He himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. And if you jump down to verse 40, you'll see the context of this conversation. You must also be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Can I tell you that Jesus didn't come to the earth just to serve? He continues to serve even now. And one day when he comes back, not in his feeble body, not in a small man, not where death is the ultimate goal, but he will come back as the risen Lord, full of glory, full of power, full of ability, and will tell you, how may I serve you? Now, out of all the things that he has done in his death how much more will he serve you? How much more will he bless you in the fullness of his glory? Yes. That's our reward. If, 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 if forgiveness and salvation was the best that he had to offer here on earth in his atoning sacrifice, how much more will he serve us when he actually shows us who he's been for all eternity and who he'll always be? It's a reward like you and I can never conceive. So every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you first, is, is someone here this morning that's not a part of the body? You don't know Jesus. You came here for reasons only you know. I don't know. But you know that you want to belong. You want to be a part of the body. You want to have that life that fuels us. 
You want to know Christ as your personal Savior? Today's the day you can do that. So I would ask you is if you want to belong to the body of Christ, if you truly want to serve him as a servant should and he be your master, would you raise your hand and show me who I'm praying for this morning? Anybody, anybody. Good, stand with me. Ushers, get ready. We're going to We're going to do some calisthenics here for a second. I'm going to end this service a little bit different. Because we're going to pray. But you know how we're going to do. If you need to, if, if, if you have some social awkwardities and you can't hold hands, you go ahead and leave right now. This is a body members, uh, body only club right here, I guess. I want you to take the, the hand of the person next to you. And I want to lead you in prayer. Go ahead, find somebody next to you. Find somebody next to you. We got one more sermon, and you guys can quit all this awkwardness. I know y'all are excited. Church, I, I so, oh. If there's anything that I want people to know is that when they come to Harrison Faith, man, that church serves with a heart that's not of this world. Boy, that's what I want. That's what I want. So this morning, as you hold the hand of the person next to you, I want you to pray, Lord, give us this body, the mind of Christ, that we might count others more significant than ourselves and we'll serve in whatever capacity you release us in. Will you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, I ask you humbly in Jesus' name. God, I know this is not a message, Father, we all want to hear. Lord, it was hard for me to study over and over again. But I know how important it is, Lord, to function as your body. Lord, you gave your body on the cross so you could use us as your body to accomplish your word, to accomplish promoting the gospel, to accomplish uniting and demonstrating the love that you had for us to the rest of the world. You still have use of your body. Oh, God, I pray, give us your mind. Make us one. Allow us, Lord, to see other people and count them more significant than ourselves. Not looking to us only in our interest, but, Lord, also looking to the interest of others. I pray, God, that you would change our mindset, change our frame of reference, Lord, that all that we do, first, we do unto the Lord, but we do through your creation. Oh, God, change our hearts this morning. I ask it in Jesus' name, I pray.